Welcome to the Get Healthier Podcast with Rena Jadhav, who's on a quest to uncover breakthroughs and cures in living longer, healthier, and happier. Genetic testing, stem cells, rattling, talking to Silicon Valley geniuses and the best doctors in the world about the hottest products and programs to make you live an amazingly joyful life. Are you ready? Now, here's your host, Rena. Hey everyone, it's Rena Jadov, and welcome to an exciting and buzzworthy podcast and a video interview today. So we are chatting with Dr. Mary Clifton about CBD and its role in completely alleviating both pain as well as sleep issues. Dr. Mary has been an internal medicine doctor for almost 20 years, specializing in weight loss, osteoporosis, menopause, disease prevention, and reversal. She regularly speaks at various health conferences, corporate wellness events, universities, and is the author of the best-selling book, Waste Away, as well as the co-author of the book, Get Wasted. But of course, what's most exciting is that she has an upcoming book on CBD that we're going to talk about at the end of this interview. Dr. Mary, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. So I've got to ask, how do you go from waste away to CBD? How do you make that transition? And what inspired you to get, get into marijuana? Oh, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about whole food nutrition, plant-based nutrition. And I still love uh, the power of nutrition and wellness in general for allowing a patient to take their health back into their own hands. And then over the past couple of years, I've had a couple of experiences that just really enlightened me into the value of marijuana. It was just three or four years ago this month that my brother died. And he went through, my mother has said, after seeing my father and my brother die, that we've seen the worst of it and the best of it, that, that my father passed very calmly, but my brother really struggled. And it was very difficult, even with excellent medical care through hospice, to get control of a lot of the anxiety and unfortunately the pain. And then shortly after that, unfortunately, one of my good friends got diagnosed with uh, recurrent ovarian cancer and insisted on a very high level of medical marijuana use right up until the end and had a shockingly calm and very well-controlled transition. And I, I mean, having done this for 20 years, I've seen a number of different people move through this process and I have just never seen something so effective. So I thought if it's working here, where else is it working and what don't I know? And over the past several months, I've been thinking and reading and creating a ton of valuable videos on the science that's available around this drug. This is another opportunity to be innovative and for patients to take their own care into their own hands and, and be able to do things like reduce their opioid requirements by 42% in, in all kinds of pain situations. Yeah, an opioid crisis is huge. We have got to figure out uh, a solution for that. And if this is one, then clearly I think we, we need to tell everyone about it. So thank you for being our guest today. You know, one of the questions I get asked, Dr. Mary, all the time is, wait a minute, it was illegal and now it's legal? You know, how can that make any sense? I'm sure there's someone's making money off of this. You know, that's why anything gets done in this country anyway anymore. So for those who are very skeptical, about 
How did we go from having something that was completely illegal to now being legalized? Oh, well, I mean, if you look back in ancient uh, texts from India and China, they were using this drug 4,000 years ago for management of pain, abdominal pain, nausea, weight loss, uh, all at joint trouble. And then, I mean, it was used very heavily in the 1700s and 1800s for management of pain and anxiety situations. And then, unfortunately, in the 1930s, underwent a prohibition here in the U.S. and uh, and and uh, across the world that has really limited its availability and its use and its scientific study. We have, you know, a very limited ability to study it scientifically here in the U.S. because we have to use a, a, a certain plant that's only available from one certain growing area. And it's not even a product that anybody is using anymore in the dispensaries. And, and unfortunately, our studies were really leaned toward the prohibition and trying to make the product look more dangerous rather than doing a good scientific work. So now, luckily, we're getting some great new scientific data. We have great answers to some of these questions. But I agree. I think patients really struggle with the limited scientific uh, evidence available for their different diseases. And that's part of my mission is to create these digestible videos that allow people to see what scientific evidence is available around their particular disease state. So let's start with pain. Um, and primarily because I know so many people that suffer from pain, chronic pain. And it's almost like something magical happens when you cross 39 into 40, Dr. Mary. I, I don't know what it is, uh, but somehow you go from 39, no pain, to 40, and everything's creaking. And I hear it's much worse when you're 50, and I'll know in two years when I hit that. Um, how the pain intensifies, but we know that pain is something that a lot of us are dealing with. And, and yes, the cause might be inflammation, etc. How does CBD work in alleviating pain? Well, the, the entire cannabis sativa plant, the entire, we use marijuana and cannabis interchangeably. Those two words are basically mean the same thing. But the cannabis sativa plant, the bud, has uh, 80 different phytochemicals that are referred to as terpenes. They're uh, all of the different chemicals that, uh, that are active in the human body when the marijuana is ingested, whether it's you know, vaped or smoked or, or ingested in a tincture or ingested in an edible. Those products enter the system and, and activate the various receptors. And the, the heavy hitters, I mean, there's 80 different terpenes, but the heavy hitters within the cannabis sativa plant are the CBD and THC. And the THC we all recognize is the psychoactive product. It's the cannabinoid that gets you high. And CBD is the workhorse of cannabis sativa. It's the cannabinoid that uh, relaxes the muscles and uh, helps to calm the mind and helps people to sleep and helps to control pain. It does that through CB1 and CB2 receptors that are located all over the human body. In fact, we have an endocannabinoid system already in place where these CB receptors are present and then endocannabinoids, the anandamide and AG2, are created when the body needs to try to control inflammation or pain. So that system is already in place, endocannabinoid meaning uh, from the inside and cannabinoid. So when you're administering CBD, 
or THC or any combination of these other cannabinoids, you're stimulating the CB1 and CB2 receptors located throughout the body. Stimulating different CB receptors that you get different responses. CB1 receptors are located primarily in the spinal cord and in the brain. So when you're dealing with pain, for example, when you burn your finger, and I'm sure you've experienced this, that you burn the tip of your finger, a tiny tip of your finger, and yet the whole hand feels uncomfortable for the rest of the day. I mean, the, the uh, ascending pathway from that tiny fingertip burn sends that pain up through the spinal cord, and then the spinal cord takes it to the cortex. And, and in the brain, the pain gets amplified to some degree. That allows you to protect the whole limb so you don't re-injure yourself. And then all that information comes down through the descending pathways. But there's different controls and regulators in place at all of those levels that CB impacts. The, and the CB2 receptors are really involved in immunology. There's CB2 receptors all over your immune cells, like the lymphocytes and macrophages, but also concentrated in the lymph nodes and spleen, so they can impact and regulate your immune response to various uh, 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 different affronts that your body experiences. What about sleep? Because that's, of course, the other one. Then we're seeing sleep issues or sleep disorders, not just in older populations, but also in teens these days. So my follow-up question is going to, to be, of course, about age range and CBD usage, but how does CBD work for, for sleep? Within uh, our age group, <laughs> sleep is the number one reason that people are looking for CBD or medical marijuana. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's the perfect use for this product. The CB1 receptors are uh, richly uh, uh, present throughout the brain in, in all different areas, in areas involving memory, storage, but also in the cortex and particularly in the frontal cortex where a lot of thought and emotion is stored. And, uh, and using the uh, particularly CBD uh, in the setting of sleep has been shown to be very effective for helping people with insomnia get their insomnia under control. Most people get quite a bit of benefit purely from the CBD. Some people describe an entourage effect, and the research supports this, that the administration of uh, CBD combined with other cannabinoids in, in the whole bud actually more significantly uh, controls the sleep and, uh, and helps people do even better. But a lot of people get great results with the CBD alone. With any disease that you're trying to treat with CBD or medical cannabis, the big issue is titration. Because so many people try and try it once, they take one dropper full, they hold it in their mouth because if you're taking a tincture, you know, you, and you let it absorb across the oral membranes, it responds very quickly, especially if you're using a liposomal or nano uh, 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 product, you mm -hmm. can get almost immediate absorption. But if you don't like the taste or if it doesn't work with one dropper full, people will set it aside. But in all of the studies, the titrations can take up to two weeks where you're increasing up to four dropperfuls to see if you're getting the result. So the key that you really want to think about if you're trying this is to titrate and take a little time to see if it's going to work for you. That makes so much sense to not give up. And you're right. I hear this all the time, even on my end, like, oh, I tried it. It didn't work. And you might, you know, my suggestion always is, how long did you try? Please keep trying. Try different dosage. Try different times. Try different types of 
of intake. So for some sprays work, for some lotions work, for other people pills work. You know, figure out what's going to work for you before you just kind of quit and give it up. Study after study, about 10% of people don't like it and they quit, they don't use it. And, but, but out of the other people, there is this range of titration. And also studies show over and over that when people are using an edible, that's when they're least satisfied because you, you take the edible and then you have a 60 to 90 minute time frame that you're waiting for this product to start to work. And so who even knows if it worked? It's like 90 minutes later, you know? So if you take a tincture or you do yes. a then you get an immediate return and you can, and you can you know, determine if it's working and then titrate pretty rapidly. So it just leads to a better level of success if you start with a tincture or a vape with these products. So let's talk about all the fears that prevent people from actually doing the CBD route. What have you heard, and then I'll share what I've heard, and then hopefully you can help alleviate some of these concerns that keep coming up that prevent people from trying something that really does work. Yeah. I mean, I think the uh, big concern is the limited scientific evidence, which we're really trying to get on top of for people. And then another concern is legality. Like you, it, 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 CBD is legal in all 50 states, but you know, I spend some time in Michigan. That's my home state. And on the West coast of Michigan, everything is much more relaxed than on the East coast of Michigan. And so you would have to be careful, I think, even as a medical marijuana user to be very, uh, you know, outward about your medical marijuana use on the East coast of Michigan. And that's true in a lot of states, county by county, you kind of have to read your local law enforcement in addition to following, you know, federal and state guidelines. And then there's concerns about becoming addicted. Mm-hmm. Cannabis dependence, uh, and, I, and I, I'm not sure where you're at with this. I think that, I mean, in my review of the literature, you definitely are aware that you've withdrawn from cannabis, but there isn't really a withdrawal syndrome that requires drugs to treat. It doesn't cause a dependence like the opioid withdrawal that is so dramatic. So I'm not too concerned about dependency issues. Patients also deal with social stigma. You don't want to be you know, somebody's grandma smoking a duty or somebody in your church using drugs and then everything. I think that's a bigger piece of it. It's the, it's getting around the mental structures of I am doing CBD. I think that's a big part of it. Oh, I do too. I do too. But I'm amazed at the, at the amount uh, of movement in people's thought processes, even in the last several years, yes. I think. The, the studies show 70, 80% of Americans are ready for marijuana to be legal recreationally everywhere. So we just yes. have to wait for our government to catch up with us. <laughs> yes, and we sure do. Their time so that they can, you know, manage where the money goes. There's definitely going to be a lot of money in this, more than is already being spent. Definitely. And everybody wants to make sure that their resources are captured. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Let's dig a little deeper into the whole concern around, am I going to get addicted to this? Because I think that's such a significant piece of why a lot of um, adults, educated adults don't do it. Because like you said, there isn't enough science to prove that I won't get addicted. And I just don't want to try that, especially if I may have had an addiction issue in the past. What is being done? What are you doing on your own? What organizations are working to do enough clinical trials and prove that it's not as addictive or addictive at all. Meaning, you know, like we don't get addicted to aspirin, you know, you take it, it does its job and that's it. Um, you take it as long as you want 
it to do its job and, and when you no longer need it, you don't take it anymore. So talk a little bit about what's being done to create more of a scientific basis for dispensing marijuana. You know, my patients say that, like, I, I, I mean, I feel better when I use this inhaler for my asthma, but then when I don't use it, I, I still have shortness of breath and I don't want to get addicted to it or, you know, or their blood pressure pills. And, and oftentimes, I mean, in the setting of blood pressure or diabetes, not every time, but oftentimes we are giving somebody a crutch to give them some time to manage their lifestyle and get things turned around. And, uh, but I mean, the, it, these, these drugs are not addictive in so much that they work. And if you stop them, they quit working. So CBD really has no addictive potential. It has the potential to make you feel better. And in that way, you may want to stay on it. But uh, you know, cannabis dependency uh, uh, is, is, is a hotly debated topic, if it even is real at all. And, uh, and I think you know, when you're looking at, uh, there, there's just so many great scientific articles where people got significant improvement from multiple chronic diseases. I mean, PTSD, anxiety, also chronic pain from neuropathic causes or from central pain syndromes or from like actual painful exposures, you know, acute traumatic injuries that had really good results with CBD. There's uh, benefits for a very, really nice emerging data in the opioid epidemic and helping people withdraw from their opioids. Uh, and and also ALS and uh, um, and you know weight loss and loss of appetite with cancer and HIV, all all of which are important uh, important and valuable places to position this product. Let's talk teens and teen challenges for now. So we know we're having um, some pretty interesting challenges in health for teens, especially around gut and sleep. So. How can a parent think about offering their child CBD as a medicinal product um, for some of their issues? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that what you have to be careful with is there, you know, there, there is some variability in these CBD products. You really have to know your supplier. I mean, you, you choose your CBD based on how it's grown, if that matters to you. It matters to me that things are grown organically and that there's a limited pesticide exposure. So I really try to identify CBD products that are grown uh, where the, plant, the plant's growing conditions are excellent and the harvesting conditions are excellent. And then I also worry about the distillation process if the uh, if the distillation process leaves behind some harmful solvents or alcohols in the final product I, I'm not interested in that product either but some of the products uh, don't have as much CBD as you think they do or they may have some traces of other cannabinoids like THC uh, there was a, a study published in JAMA in 2017 that looked at 84 different CBD preparations and found that 26% of them had a different concentration of CBD in the final product than what was on the label. Interesting. And, well, and yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And the distillations are allowed to have a certain percentage of THC. So there are some products that are really, really cleanly distilled that are zero THC products. And that's, that would be the product I would choose for a, a younger person or for somebody where drug testing is a significant concern, you know, so that you can avoid any kind of uh, THC exposure. And where can you find products that are approved by Dr. Mary? <laughs> well, I've, 
I don't have any specific products for sale on my site. Uh, so I, I work with people who are interested in offering products to their uh, audiences to make sure that they have some recommendations for good products. I am really interested in these highly carefully distilled products that are really clean and um, and I love these very innovative uh, 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 um, herbalists who are adding adaptogens and uh, mm. other herbs like for example skullcap combined with CBD for managing insomnia. Mm. It's brilliant and all of it in one. So I, I'm excited for these herbalists that are really thinking in a very innovative way. So those are the products I have my eye on right now. Any particular, so again, someone listening, watching this today saying, okay, I'm gonna do it. You know, I've got sleep issues, I've got pain. I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna give this a try. Where do they start? Where do they go? Where do they purchase? Well, I mean, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, probably my top three favorites right now would be uh, Dr. Tom O'Brien's uh, product. He works with Sunhorse products, and they they have a very nice uh, Canadapt. That's a combination of cannabis plus adaptogens, which is really great for managing day-to-day -day stress and anxiety and just feeling fantastic. That's a very good product. For children, I particularly like the Messiah products, which is not spelled Messiah. It's spelled M-A-S-A-Y-A, Messiah oils. Okay. And uh, Annabelle is a Vanderbilt biochemist. Uh, she has a, has distilled a very nice product and has a, an amazing story surrounding its use for her own son. Um, and then another person that I like who's also a, a co-author or contributor to my book is Lou. He runs the Apothecary Kitchen here in New York City, uh, mm -hmm. down in Alphabet City. And uh, he does all kinds of amazing herbs. And he also has a couple of herbalists, uh, several herbalists right on staff that will mix products very specific to your needs. But his CBD combinations are really nice. And he's very intelligent. He's been doing this forever. So I think yeah. going with any of those professionals, you wouldn't go wrong. They're all doing very high quality products. It just depends on exactly what you're looking for. And that really only touches the surface. I have to say that I mean, within, within organic food and also within CBD, there are a few people who aren't doing excellent work, but the vast majority of the people that I've run into, Blue Moon, Holy Grail, I mean, people are providing some really nice products. It's just that most products are distinguishing themselves on their packaging. Right. And, and the packaging is great. That matters to me. I, I buy stuff if it's pretty, no doubt. <laughs> but, I, but when I'm using a medicine or a food, I really want the highest quality of that product. So those are my exactly. favorite companies right now. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for sharing those. And Dr. Tom Bryan is, I'm a huge fan of his and um, did his book master class. And in fact, we're hosting a call in uh, live session with him. So I'm oh. super excited to hear you mention that um, he's, he's on the top of your list. So that's very exciting for us to hear. Um, do our listeners or viewers need to get a prescription or is this something you feel they can handle on their own, go directly to the sites, purchase That's what I love about CBD is that you don't need a prescription. You can totally okay. take back your health and run it yourself. If okay. you need a consultation, certainly there's doctors online that provide those. I can provide those for you also. Okay. Uh, 
there, but we also have a, a coaching community that can help you for a much lower cost and give you some really great advice on how to uh, how to how to titrate if you need that. You know, you you may be surprised at how effective you are at taking care of yourself with these products and just titrating yourself. And but but sometimes you need a little bit of advice on going forward or a little bit of uncertainty. And you know, I, 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 you, you don't need to spend three hundred dollars an hour to talk to an internist for that. If you can talk to somebody who knows the data and and can up level a question if they need then a little coaching is really effective without having to you know empty your wallet so true and the analogy that i give and i'd love to get your thoughts on on this analogy is you know we don't go to a doctor to find out if we need skullcap as an example <laughs> you know if i need herbs um i certainly don't go to my doctor and say oh so you know what herbs should i be taking or go ahead and give me a prescription for herbs and I think we have to transition from thinking of CBD as something that's a medical pharmaceutical grade product that needs a prescription and needs someone to watch over me to it's no different than taking ashwagandha or any of its, you know, licorice root or any of those other herbs, rosemary, etc. It's just that it's got a branding problem uh, because it was illegal for so long and it was connected to getting high and addicted for so long that we've forgotten that it's in its origin, it's just a leaf. And um, yeah, and I mean, if you think about it, you know, just uh, back in the 20s, you would be, uh, I don't know, would you be have driven a car or would you still be on horseback? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> road. I mean, it'd be growing in the ditch. There would be, it's just an ordinary weed. It was, it was everywhere. And then, and with the prohibition now, there's very limited uh, exposure, Uh, you know, which, which I I postulated before might really be impacting your endocannabinoid system in the first place. Because if you don't give the body the appropriate precursors to create things, the body really can't move forward on some, on some important uh, products. So, I mean, if you're, if you never get any exposure to cannabis, this was a product that you that you breathe the pollen in twice a year at the very minimum. Uh, you know, as as recently as the 1920s, after the prohibition in the 40s, of course, it's disappeared. But there's probably value in the addition of a small amount of cannabis, at least, just to help maintain a balance to your system. And again, some people love the CBD. Some people try the CBD and say, I feel like I'm getting some benefit. I don't know that I'm getting everything I was hoping, you know, and, and the, the, the movement forward to a medical cannabis um, is, is a great choice. And I love medical cannabis because it, it blurs so many lines, you know, it, it's moving out of the prohibition, which is lovely. And people feel better from the point of view of their multiple sclerosis or their, uh, um, or their, you know, nausea or their pain or their PTSD. But in addition to that, they feel better. (laughs) You know, I love a product that manages you spiritually and emotionally in addition to that. What are the top 10 things it does? If I was to start taking CBD from Dr. Tom's shop, what would I experience? What are the things that I should look out for and get excited about? 
Well, I think you would experience a reduction in anxiety. The research, most of the research that I've published is surrounding PTSD because that's the medical indication. But, uh, you know, and it, you could also apply it to anxiety and stress. It's a very good stress reliever. Most folks in that case are going to move toward a higher CBD product, lower THC, because the high THC, that sensation of getting you really high, will sometimes trip an anxiety reaction in, in predisposed people. So the CBDs are very effective in post-traumatic stress and also in anxiety or stress. Uh, anybody dealing with muscle spasm or neuropathic pain can expect a reduction in the pain. I mean, again, it's not for everybody. About 10% of people that start these trials end up going off the trial because they, they don't like the sensation or they didn't think that it worked. Um, for, for nausea or, or weight loss or loss of appetite, the CBDs are very nice, but perhaps a touch of THC in some of those may stimulate the appetite a little more effectively. There's been some really neat uh, animal studies, even though I don't focus a lot on animal studies, some of them are really good. But there's a, a really good animal study that, that showed that the THC seems to be the thing that really sets up the munchies. <laughs> so... <laughs> So just using the TV shouldn't result in a in you you know ballooning out like like you might think you would with uh with with a full on cannabis product. So. And and how does it pertain to weight loss? Can I can I ask you that? Does it help or hurt weight loss? They've looked at different uh, CB receptor blockers and receptor enhancers. The, uh, the study that I really like that looked at this was, uh, and, and I hate to talk about animal research, but, but this was such a good study. They injected uh, animal tummies with either a CBD product or just normal saline. And then all of the animals uh, uh, got uh, high using a higher THC product. And the, the mice that had the THC without the CBD ate a lot more, <laughs> much more munchies. But the mice that had THC that was tempered with CBD didn't have that terrible munchie experience. So, um, so the CBD doesn't appear to enhance the appetite, and it does appear to blunt that appetite enhancement that you see with THC. And so, uh, it, but in, I mean, in, in populations that regularly use marijuana for recreational or medicinal purposes, you don't see uh, an increased concentration of obesity. Actually, they tend to be a little thinner. Okay. And that because, you know, I mean, within drug and alcohol addiction treatment, we always say it takes a lot of cupcakes to make a shot of heroin. I mean, cupcakes are really enhancing to your brain and they feel good. To eat. They pop a bunch of receptors, but you, you have to eat like 125 cupcakes to get a shot of heroin. So people over and over stop their opioids and get very heavy. So yes. marijuana may give you the stimulation you need without having to, you know, overindulge on food products. That makes a lot of sense. Anything else that you'd like to share before we wrap up? Oh, no, I feel like we covered everything. I would just really, again, encourage a, you know, a healthy time for titration, at least two weeks for titration. And, uh, and, and seeing what works for you. And then remember, there's a lot of different modes of administration. If your state has gone to the point that, well, everybody gets access to CBD and there's a million different uh, mechanisms to administer that, most people prefer a tincture, just a dropper full that you hold in your mouth. If you're using a medical cannabis, there's edibles and hard-pressed mm -hmm. tablets and vapes and whole bud. Just make sure that you... Um, 
you know, uh, choose a mode of administration. And if you don't like it, try a different mode of administration before you give up. The mode of administration matters to people's level of satisfaction. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And for the rest of you, uh, this is just a teaser. We are going to be interviewing Dr. Mary again when her book comes out. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you subscribe to our newsletters because we are going to feature her book masterclass in there. And then, of course, we're going to follow it up with a boot camp, a CBD boot camp. So we can be there with you as you try this most amazing herb, which truly seems like it can help us all, every single one of us. So with that said, Mary, thank you so much again and keep doing the great work. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap. Share your love with a five-star review and get show notes at healthbootcamps.com. Connect with us on Health Bootcamps Facebook and Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out other great interviews and subscribe to the Get Healthier podcast today.